Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. Well, yesterday was a little bit of a different day at church. It was, it was. It wasn't the normal Sunday. Yeah, so maybe what we talk about today will be a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but I thought it'd be good to start by, we've we've been doing this podcast for a few weeks now, and we kind of let it be under the radar on purpose for a few weeks because we we're just trying to dial things in and make sure we're not terrible we're at doing. this yeah. yeah well we still could be terrible that's true but that's true we're okay we're comfortable with being terrible yeah i would say we we're are. maybe we're at least not terrible we could be bad yeah. but i don't think we're terrible i think we figured out we're not terrible i don't think our goal is to be awesome i think our no. goal is to do what we're supposed to do exactly exactly it's more of a making sure like the technical side Right works and and all of that and also it's kind of like if even when you watch your uh, all of us have like a favorite show and usually it's like yeah the first season's a little weird and then they catch their stride in the second it's like you got to kind of get the first ones out there because you're figuring it out so yeah that's why we kind of waited until we had a few in to to share because I think we we're still going to continue to. I think refine what this is, but I think we're we're getting there at least. Well, so the reason I bring it up is because I'm a little bit astonished by the feedback we've gotten. It's been amazing. I didn't think anyone. Well, I, I thought there'd be a few people that would be really excited about it, but um, it's been a lot more than I expected. Yeah, and people actually say it's good, which I don't necessarily. Maybe we shouldn't be, or I shouldn't be, so hard on us, but like. I think they're being genuine when they say it's good. I think they appreciate what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I also think it's, I mean, it's its people from our church. Yeah. So it's its one of those where they're always going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and, and that's good. That's a really good thing, and I just I want to say thank you. For those of you who did say that you've been listening and you appreciate it, it does mean a lot because that's kind of, you know, this whole thing started as almost just an excuse for you and I to have a conversation every week um, and record it. And then it kind of morphed into like, Hey, there's probably some people who would love to have these conversations that, that just don't get to. So if we can let them in on this, that might be awesome. Yeah. I mean, church is more than Sunday and um, everyone needs more than Sunday. Yeah. But people aren't good at figuring out how to integrate more than Sunday into their schedules. And so the whole idea of this is maybe we take it to them. It's only 30 minutes a week. It's not going to make a major difference, but it's something. Well, and And, you you can't crave something that you've never tasted. So hopefully this can give people a taste of just that having these these conversations and and having these friendships is is like something their soul needs. But sometimes you don't know that until you get to experience a little bit of it. So my hope is that that this might be that first taste for people of like, oh, wow. This is really good. And and so I, the reason I brought this up from the start is um, the feedback that we've gotten isn't necessarily a stroke to our ego. It's more of affirmation that we should be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And I would just say that 
and we talked about it after service, a few of us yesterday, and we can talk about it a little more here, but like we've done a couple things recently, including this podcast, including men's breakfast last Saturday that have been more of like, we don't really have all of our ducks in a row, um, but we feel that we're supposed to do this. So we're just going to do it. Yep. And there's a reward to doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's maybe reward isn't the right term, but there's like, we're finding that there there's, we're reaping, um, help me with my terminology well, here. I think it's, it, we're seeing that like, if you make space for something, then something is going to come and fill that space. Right. Now, that's the, <laughs> the, the challenge is that things are always trying to fill any space that we make that, that really aren't all that important. But I think what we're finding is like when we make space and not to say, okay, for two minutes we're going to do this and then the next three minutes we're going to do that and we give that space to God and truly say like, hey, we're here for you and we're listening, that God God always honors that when we right. make room for him. And I think that's what's happened is, is we've been making space and God has been faithful to fill that space with what we need. And, and the, the, the thing is we don't always even know what we need. I think right. I said that yesterday. It's like, there's times where something happens in that space that I make. And I was like, I would have never even thought that was what I needed, but it's always exactly that. And so I think that's what's happening. Yeah. And this seems to be a theme in life right now. I've talked to several people. uh, So at the, the men's break, I mean, the men's breakfast in itself was just responding to a nudge that we felt we just have to do something. So let's not worry about, doing it at the highest level of excellence and having everything figured out, let's just go ahead and do it. And it worked. It, there, there was a good response. And then even I knew we needed some kind of a message at the men's breakfast and I didn't know exactly what to do. And, and God kind of put this analogy in my, gave me a, a picture in my mind of home plate. I'm a baseball fan. So that came easily to me, yep. but we, we brought a physical home plate to men's breakfast and use that to encourage guys to step up. And I think stepping up is a theme in life right now. Like I I think there's a bunch of people who we do life with who all are feeling a nudge to do something. And there's just a a natural reluctance that we all have that makes us want to be hesitant to take the step and do that. Yeah. Um, but what we're finding is when we step up, even if we feel ill-prepared, um, that that's not a license to just go out and do stuff willy-nilly. But I think there's times where it's absolutely evident that God is calling us to do something and we just have to do it. Yeah. Well, and this morning, it's so funny because we don't talk before we do this. I literally showed up and, and we turned the mics on and just started going. And this morning, what was on my mind is this idea that if if I'm in a situation because I have listened to God. So like, I'm not talking about when those times where I've been super rebellious and disobedient and I find myself in a hard situation. But if I'm in a situation that's challenging and I know it's, it's like, I, I obeyed God to get there, then I can look in the mirror and say, you were made for this. And oftentimes we only say like that phrase, like I was made for this when we feel like, oh, our skills line up for it. 
But if you're a Christian, you have to understand, okay, God made you on purpose. And then if God brought you there, then you can say, I was made for this. You might not know why. You might not know why you're the right person for that. But if you were brought there by God and you know God made you, then you were made for this. Right. And I think that that's just a powerful thing to just confess openly of even situations that we know we need to step up is like not this like, well, I'm going to step up and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to get beat down and it's going to be terrible, but I'll be faithful to do it. But like I was made for this. God made me. God brought me here. So I'm the right person for this job. And I think it's it's a powerful mental change to just say that to yourself. I was made for this. Oh, man, that's really got the wheels turning in my head. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, yesterday our service was a little bit different because we were really celebrating missions at our church. And I just have to say that Angie Brusowitz has done a phenomenal job of managing our uh, missions Unbelievable. At, at our church. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. Yes. And I don't use the word pride flippantly, but I think that's like a healthy pride. Like I am so uh, pleased with, yeah. I mean, yesterday just was really like, I needed it because it was like, I, I understand the value of missions. Mm-hmm. I support missions, but I think it's one of those things that can easily become a far off thing yep. if we kind of lose focus of what it really is. And yesterday just kind of brought everything back into alignment. It was really powerful. And so everything that we just talked about up to this point really puts missions in the lens that we should see it through. Yeah. And that's why I, even in preparing for it, cause I, I didn't really give a message. It was just a short, like, let me explain to you biblically why we are taking a Sunday to just talk about how we do missions. Um, and, and my, one of my whole goals that I explained is like, we need to have missions in front of us. We, we need to, because it is easy to forget about it or just put that as like, well, that's just one of those things that happens, but it doesn't really affect me. Um, but there, it's almost like communion to me. Like to me, the power of communion is in the fact that you are forced to come face to face with like really what this is all about. And, and there's power in consistently going back. We, we sing that, that song um, yesterday that just was, uh, yeah, it was a powerful and that's take me back to where we started. Uh, that idea of, of falling, losing your first love and communion is like, no matter how much we try to overcomplicate and get lost in things, if you're consistently taking communion, you're forcing yourself to go back to like what this is all about. Um, and I think missions is the same way. It forces us to go back to like, what are we here for? Like, yeah. what should this thing look like? Yeah, and I think it's also really helpful to just reground ourselves in what missions really is. Because like I said, we can make it into this far off like thing that doesn't seem, it, it seems like a stretch to make it apply in our life. Um, but then once we start talking about what it really is, it brings it so close to home. And even, um, I'm kind of name, name dropping a lot today, but had a really good conversation with our friend Marshall Mm -hmm. at the men's breakfast. And I was really proud of him for stepping up, um, which that, that analogy worked perfect for him because he's the baseball coach. But, um, I talked to him after that and he was just talking about how his family is just really growing 
spiritually right now. And he's just, there's definitely a fire in him. It was infectious to talk to him about it. Um, but he's, as we all do. So we're always assessing like what is next, Mm -hmm. especially though, as we grow spiritually, we realize that we're on mission all the time. And so when we develop that missional, is that a word? Yeah, missional. Missional. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it sounded weird for some reason. <laughs> no, totally. Missional mindset. Yep. It we start viewing things differently. It's not like outside of that, you know. Um, we tend to think, how can we make life as comfortable as possible? Right. Yeah. But then once we take on that missional mindset, it's like that's not what it's about. Our it's about like. What am I supposed to be doing right now? What am I called to be doing right now? And that is exactly where Marshall is right now. And he's like, I just really have a desire to continue working with the youth right now of our church. And he's a teacher, so he's in the perfect place for that. But I was like, man, look at the platforms you have. And so... On one hand, you know, his life is very busy yeah. and, and I can definitely identify with that as well. But it's like, you have such a platform yeah. as a baseball coach. You have these boys under your uh, leadership all the time. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like we need to have Marshall on. We do. So we yeah. probably should talk, but I mean, it, it, I think that's what was exciting about the men's breakfast is, and we talked about this a little bit of just the, the people who did are we're willing to step up to the plate and share like this is where this is where I want to uh, you know challenge myself in in my life and my mission they were all just so amazing and encouraging I was just so encouraged and so I think like that's what's exciting like you said is to to when we start to like not view missionaries as the one doing the work um, and us just kind of holding down the fort. But when we truly are like, they're, we're doing the same thing. We're they're just in a different place. We're on the place. same team. Yeah. yeah. Well, and not only are we the same team, but we have the same call. I think right. like that is just, I, I think the average person, if they were honest, the average Christian would say, I don't on a daily basis view myself as having the same call as a missionary does. Yeah. And that's just the reality of it. When you look at, um, you know, I read those Bible verses and it's like, and, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. And it's not like, okay, those of you who are in Jerusalem, you're called to do this. But those of you who go to the ends of the earth, you're called, it's, nope, you're all called to do the same thing. And I'll be honest, I've wrestled with that thought before. Yeah. And it's easy, especially when you're talking about people in such a different setting. I mean, you talk about brothers and sisters in China right now. And the way they have to carry themselves and live their life, it is not even close to what we live here. Right. However, we know people who are, including ourselves, the lives that we lead are equally as critical. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I'll even say it's like the, the storms and the trials are different. But the call is the same. So we're we're both we're all doing the same thing, but the trials are different. And what's really interesting is I've talked to missionaries that honestly feel sorry for us here 
because they're mm-hmm. like, man, you guys have to deal with this distraction, that right. distraction. Like, yeah, maybe I live in a, you know, a really humble hut, but like, I don't have to, I don't have to fight against any of those distractions. Yeah. I wake up and God is front and center and I don't have to fight to have them there. And so I have talked to those people. I like, I feel sorry for you. The storms are different, but it's like the call is the same. We're very superficial as humans. And I'm not saying that to, to throw us all under the bus, but we just are, it's human nature. We, we focus on the way things look because it's the first thing it's of all the senses. It's like the first thing it's in front of us all the time. And we can't get past that sometimes. And so, um, you know, you look at what a missionary, so we, we do these mission moments at our church Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes what they show is so quote unquote foreign to us that it just, you know, we tend to look at it as this disconnected thing, but. Well, and we tend to, I think like one of the problems is we tend to, um, really celebrate certain trials, certain you know, calls certain gifts more than the other. And that just goes really against what the Bible teaches. And it even happens at the local church where, you know, the person who preaches is always put on a pedestal above the person who sets up the chairs. Um, But that's just not biblical. The Bible is just like, we're all parts of the body and we cannot function without each other. And I think that that's one of those, even I know you love the book of James and that's it. That James is like, stop trying to like decide who's the better Christian. Stop trying to like honor more people. You know, these people are better than these people and start to understand like if, if you are giving your gifts to the body, you are doing exactly what you're supposed to do. There is no higher calling than that. What right. do you have to give? You're giving it to the body. Then you are that's it. That's all there is. You're at the highest level then. And it really doesn't matter what you're doing. And I think that's where it's like, we've, uh, I, I listened, I was at a, um, a conference and they talked about how we, we've, we've turned the term disciple into leader. So it's like, if you are going to become a disciple, that means you're going to be a leader. That's the end goal of every disciple. And that's simply not true. Some people will, but some people are not called to be a leader. Right. They're not gifted to that. And to to make them feel like they're not even a disciple till they get to that level where it's like, no, like being a disciple means you've given what you have over to Jesus. You've surrendered to him and you're going to obey what he tells you to do. That's a disciple. And he might not ask you to lead. We, right. He might ask you to do whatever it is you have a gift to do. And I think like that's where we just have that tendency and it goes all the way back to the New Testament church. That's why we have the letter that James wrote because they were dealing with this back then of like, stop trying to differentiate who is the better Christian and just enjoy the fact that we're all part of this body and we're all giving what we have to the body. Yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting thought that we could camp out on for a while. Cause I'm just thinking of people like, some of the most effective people that I've crossed paths with in my life weren't necessarily leading groups of people or even leadership material, but they were leading me by example, by choosing to be content with what they had, by expressing joy, even when they maybe didn't have the things in life that we perceive people need to have to have joy. To me, all of those things are characteristics of a true disciple like 
taking on those, uh, you know, just choosing to, I mean, those are the two that stood out to me, like contentment and joy. Like those things stand out yeah, <laughs> because they're rare. Well, and that's, I think I should even, I want to uh, just define even, I think if you look at what it means to be a leader, I think how we define it right now is someone with authority who's put in charge of groups of people. Yeah. And that I don't believe every disciple is going to be called to do. But if you look at leadership as impacting other people, inspiring other people, showing other people what it looks like and making them actually want to be like that, then I, I think it's impossible to be a disciple and not be a leader in that way. And so I think like we just need to differentiate because I think any disciple, true disciple of Jesus is going to impact those around them. Right. And if that's how you define leadership, then yeah, you're going to become a leader if you're a disciple. But it doesn't mean you're going to get a title. doesn't mean you're going to be put in charge officially over this group of people and tell them what to do. Most of that, and if you look at the best leaders that have ever lived, they were leading before they ever got a title because they were inspiring the people around them. So is it safe to say that every person who could ever listen to this podcast um, is called to be a disciple in one way, shape, or form? Absolutely. I, I think that that's... I think to be a Christian is to be a disciple. I, I think we've done a huge disservice to ourselves to differentiate, like become a Christian and then work your way towards yeah. becoming a disciple. It's like, that's, it's, that's all there is. So then if you're called to be a disciple, are you by default called to be a leader in I think one it, way, shape or form? I think it depends on your definition. I think you are called if you... If, if we go back to your renewed definition of leadership that you just described. Yeah. I would say that it would be impossible to become a disciple without influencing the people around I you. I think that's what I was trying to Oh, you were coax. trying, yep. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So I guess what my point in asking those questions is, is those are words that sound weighty to people, especially people who may be still developing their faith or even just figuring out what this is all yeah. about. But I don't think they're as weighty as we've made them. Yep. I think, I think it is the most natural thing that you, that you could ever do. And it's, it's, and I, I share this a lot cause it was a big part of my life, but there was a year where I lost a hundred pounds and I was like so unhealthy. And, um, when you make those kinds of changes in your life, like people find you out. The number of people that literally stopped me that I didn't even know that well that were like, "How? what is going on? How did you do that? Like it really, because that's one of those changes that people want to make yeah. that's really hard. And so when they see someone make it, they're like, I got to talk to them. Yeah. And it's the same. There's There's so many changes like that that we can make in our life that everybody is wanting and struggling to make. And when they see it, they are going to stop and ask you and you're going to be surprised who and people that you didn't even think cared and people that you didn't know that well. And that's, I think it is one of the most natural things. If you just look at your life and say, what are the changes I know I need to make? What is, what is God asking me to do? And what is the Bible telling me he's given me the power and ability to change? And if I focus on that, the influence will come because people will see it 
and you don't even have to try to be influential. You just simply walk it out. And one thing I'll add to that is most of the time, the stuff, it doesn't matter. We could use your example or anything else like that. For me, what I thought of as you were describing that was I started a farm Mm -hmm. and I don't want to make it sound like just everyone can go do that. And, but there's a lot of things in life that look really, really hard from a distance and a lot of people want to be able to do it, but they can't figure out how to do it. But the biggest reason they can't figure out how to do it is because they are afraid to take that first step right? or a first couple steps or whatever. Well, and I think they're afraid to take those steps because in the back of their head, there's that voice saying it's impossible. And when, when you do it, what you're doing is anyone who sees you, you have refuted that voice in their head without even saying anything because they yeah. can no longer say it's not possible because they just watch somebody do it. And that's powerful. And that's why you might even get some pushback from people when you try to make those changes because they want to hold on to that excuse as to right. why they can't. Yep. And so you are going to get some of that too because it's like when you make that change, you're taking that excuse away from other people for good or for bad. I don't know if you know who Cameron Haynes is. He's, Not off the top of my head. He's, he's on staff with Under Armour as a professional hunter. He's an archer. Okay. And he's also like a, a endurance athlete. Sure. So he does like mountain runs and stuff like that. Um, he has a shirt that he always wears that says, it must be nice. And he talks about the must be nice culture or the the must be nice people who are always looking at what he's achieved and saying, well, it must be nice to be able to. And he's like, no, I've worked a full time job (laughs) and I did this and this and this. And it's been blood, sweat and tears that have got me here. I will not let you devalue what I've been able to achieve by saying it must be nice because you've had this opportunity that I don't have. Well, and that... you've hit it on the head and especially I think one of the things and and this is I don't have too much this might be a a different a different episode but one of the things that really changed my life is is CrossFit and you can make all your jokes about CrossFit they're all true like the it is I don't know any of them uh, which basically it's it's kind of like CrossFit is like being vegan it's like you're going to tell everybody about it whether they want to hear it or not but it's um one of the things I was actually going to write a, a blog that I never got around to, but it was it was going to be titled um, "The Things That I Got from Going to CrossFit That I Hope People Get When They Come to My Church," and one of them was joyful suffering. Like that's what makes CrossFit so special. Is like those workouts are like they they hurt, and like you are when you're in it, you're like this is terrible. But when you show up, everybody has this attitude of like this is going to stink, isn't it? And they're like laughing and it's like, but we signed up for this. We're doing this together. Let's go, let's go handle this together. And even there's terms that they use instead of saying, this is, this is really hard. Or like my lungs are like killing. They're like, this workout's getting spicy because (laughs) it's like a, a term where it's like, no, we're having fun suffering. And that's the church's thing. Like that's ours. We should be owning the joyful suffering is our thing. Right. And we've kind of lost that. And it's become the, well, like my challenges are my reasons for not changing when the Bible's like, 
No, your challenges are like they propel you to change. Right. This is yours, and and I think it is. It's it's a hard balance because we wanna we wanna have kindness to the people going through the suffering, yeah. and and there's something to be said. But it's just understanding like joyful suffering. That is a massive tool for the Christian. That's ours. God gave that to us as a tool. And when you're a part of it, even outside the church, you see the beauty of it. It's like you want to be a part of it. And and that's one of those things that I hope that the church in America retakes because I think right. we've lost it. Yeah. Joyful suffering of, man, this trial is terrible, but man, we signed up for this and I can't wait to see what this does. I can't wait to see how this refines me. We've lost, like, when's the last time in a group of Christians that was the attitude that you heard? Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and this is going to sound, this could sound like a joke at first. I don't even mean this as a joke, but it's very similar to marriage. Yeah. Um, you do have to suffer your way through it sometimes and and there's going to be ups and downs and and all of that. But, um, this morning I've been reading through the book of first Corinthians and this morning I hit chapter seven Mm -hmm. and I've got a, I'm reading in my study Bible. And so it's got the heading instruction on Christian marriage. Yeah. You would, you could make the mistake of being like, Oh, this is about marriage. And especially if you're like a single person, be like, well, that's not for me. I'm going to skip over it. Right, right. But as I read through it, I'm like, this really isn't even really about marriage at all. I mean, it kind of is. There's Paul is giving some instruction on marriage Right. But what it's really about as you get into the second half of the the chapter is it's about serving God. And I mean, he spends a good chunk of it talking about distraction. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of why he even brought up marriage in the first place in that chapter is because it tends to be a distraction. Yep. Or in that at that time for what was happening in that church. He was basically talking about like you can stay married because it's it's better than the alternative of like um, having this burning passion that you don't know what to do with mm-hmm. if you're not married. But um, so he's kind of talking about what to do with distractions, and we spent a part of this talking about how distractions can get in the way of living on mission. Yeah. Um. But. But in one part of chapter seven, he talks about um, he's using using circumcision as as the um, analogy basically. But then he said, none of that really matters. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Yeah. And then he's just talking about what you were called to do. He's talking to the readers here about what they were called to do and just sticking to that. Yep. And cutting the distractions out. And so I think that as we wrap up this today and we kind of finish talking about living on mission, um, we started out talking about how everyone feels a nudge yeah. to do something, especially as we're pursuing the Lord. Yeah. And... I think the encouragement for each other and for the listeners is start really tuning in on what that nudge might be. Yeah. 
and what what things in your life are distractions that might be stopping you from taking the next step. Yeah. Um, and also not viewing those things just because it's something that is in your personal everyday life, like coaching baseball, that's no less significant than someone who's on the other side of the world doing missions. Absolutely. It, the, the, the call is to be witnesses and the call is to make disciples. And it's going to look different for all of us. But and, and I want to even just as we close, just even what, what you had said, I think it's what I'm realizing is that right now in most of our lives, if you're listening to this and you view yourself as a common folk, there's a good chance that there's very little in your life right now that sets your soul on fire. It probably it feels like most of your day is just blah. And you're, you're fighting for something that makes you feel really anything at all. And I think it's important for us to protect and pursue those things that we know. Like you said, that little nudge, that little spark. How sparks turn into a fire is you, you take care of them. You cover them from the wind. You put some dry grass on it. And then you put some small twigs. And it's intentional. Sparks don't turn into fire unless you're intentional. And I think that's the call for most of us. It's going to be different, but we all have a little spark in us. And it's easy to feel like uh, our schedules and society and responsibilities have just beaten that spark down, but it's still there. And like we can cover, cup it with your hands, blow on it a little bit, see what happens. And I would say that whatever led you to listen to this podcast implies or signifies that there is a yes. spark in there. Yes. And so maybe let this be encouragement to yeah. you. Um, but yeah, just like Eric said, then figure out how to pr- protect that spark enough that it's not going to get snuffed out. But then eventually as, as that thing starts taking off, you're going to want to fan it into a flame. Yeah. And, and we can talk about that more later, but I think right now it's just about, recognizing what that is within you and exactly what you start pondering and start praying about uh, what you are being called to do and what it looks like for you uh, to live on mission. Absolutely. And I think just the last thing I'll say is I think you nailed it. Understand that if, if you're listening to this and you know Jesus as your savior, you have a spark there. Like you have one. And it's, it's appreciating it. Um, I, I think of like if, if you were someone stranded in a, a, an island and like no one was coming for you and you there was one ember, like w- how would you treat that? Oh, yeah. Like it, just the, the ferocity that you would protect it with, understanding like that's, that's everything. This is my survival right here. It's your lifeblood. It is. And, and to view whatever spark is put in you and you've got one, treat it like that have that kind of veracity of like this is all like this is everything this is something that was put inside of me by jesus and i gotta protect it and i gotta fan it and like you said just for right now just start with just acknowledging you have one and how special it is and how valuable it is and even for right now that's a good start for all of us well, as we finish, uh, Lord, I, I just uh, thank you for this conversation. Just 
um, prepare the the hearts of every person who turned this podcast on. And and I just ask that you uh, work on all of us. Show us um, show us that spark and and show us uh, what you're calling us to do. And and show us also what we're doing to snuff out that spark and help us to just eliminate those things and to, and to just really focus on how you're calling us to live on mission in our own personal lives. In your name we pray. Amen.